In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. Hey, welcome to the Michaud Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And as always, I am joined by my partner. He's right two guys over that way. <laughs> hey, this is Vincent Williams. Oh, and this is Damien Swaby. <laughs> that's, that's right, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Our very special guest from across the pond, as it were, Damien Swaby is here Yay. on the Michaud Mission. To join us in a review, uh, for all of you people who read our newsletters, it's not Young Soul Rebels. We'll get into a reason why we're not reviewing that. But it's something that everybody can get into, as we found out. It is Rada Blank's The 40-Year-Old Version, streaming now on Netflix after a fantastic debut at the Sundance Film Festival earlier this year. Thus making it eligible for us to review. In our wheelhouse. In our wheelhouse. And this was Damien's selection for tonight's stop on the Michaud mission. Thank you to each and every one of you out there who are sitting there watching and enjoying us on Facebook and on YouTube as we live stream into your homes. Uh, it is 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here in Philadelphia Damien, what time it is is it over there in uh, your parts? It's twelve p.m. It's twelve midnight in the UK <laughs> at London. In London, sorry, in London. <laughs> That's fine. I, I mean, was, yeah. I, I wouldn't have known whether not to say at or in London. I don't know. Plus, <laughs> plus it's midnight, so you can say whatever you want. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, it is the midnight hour. Damien Swaby comes with. Uh, our way, ladies and gentlemen, as the host of his own film podcast, Filmmaking Conversations, that you can check out anywhere and everywhere that good podcasts are found. Uh, Damien, give the missionaries the the 30-second uh, pitch on what Filmmaking Conversations is all about. Filmmaking Conversations is about the community of independent filmmakers looking for guidance and seeking knowledge amongst the, uh, the community. We've got so many filmmakers out, out here and we're all trying to do our own thing. We're trying to start our own projects. We're looking for funding. We're looking for editors. We're looking for various types of people to potentially get advice from and help us know what we're going to do. So I speak to indie filmmakers, people that have their films in Sundance and uh, the, the BFI London type film festivals. And I've also got Hollywood people People that have won Oscars and won Emmys and been nominated for Emmys. So it's a broad spectrum across the filmmaking community. And it's there to help provide guidance and to start conversations and to let filmmakers know whatever you're thinking, whatever you're going through, you're not alone. Oh, that's wow. dope. Yeah, I like it. That's, I that hope that so. is very dope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where did you, uh, where did um, your love or interest in filmmaking begin? Because you're a bit of an indie filmmaker yourself, correct? Yeah, well, it, it started per, per, before so I was an actor. 
um, and studied performing arts and I was doing okay. that for a while and I couldn't quite get the auditions I'd hoped for or the type of auditions I was interested in. And I was doing mm. things that didn't really kind of, how do I say, things that weren't a, a kind of interest to me. So, mm. and then on tour, I was doing a physical theatre piece and I jumped off a cage and I really messed up my knee and I carried on throughout the tour. Whoa, whoa, you know. whoa, whoa. You, on tour, you jumped off a You don't just gloss over. <laughs> I was on tour and I jumped off a cage. Yada, yada, yada. Now I do a podcast. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it was, a, it was a crazy, it was a cool show. It was, um, and he, there was a cage that was, a, it was a traveling cage we used to turn into like prisons. We used to turn it into like a, a hotel and all this movement we had around this cage. And then at one point I changed into a different character as I run through the cage, I climb up the top, I change my uh, hoodie into like a, a kind of zip up other type of sleeveless thing. I pick up the, what, like a baseball bat and, and I jump off the top and slam the baseball bat on the floor. And that's cues the music. But as I, hit and slammed the bat my knee just went not today mm. um and the kind of <laughs> today is a good day to die <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and, and then from that my um i was like wow that's different but i think for another <laughs> six weeks or eight weeks something like that i just kept on doing the two shows a day and i you know i got back home and i was like well this isn't right and then hey at the end of the day there was other shows i did afterwards because i just needed the money so mm. Mm. I was just doing those shows and then it got to the point I did a, another show, a much smaller show. And I did a, a small jump, a small little thing. And I was like, okay, it's over. So oh, wow. you're getting into filmmaking. Uh, I wanted to do more television and film when that wasn't happening. So I started writing my own small short films and, and things like that. And what I learned from doing that is I really enjoyed the, the concept of creating a project in the development stages and getting my own DP in that I would like, and I felt could tell the story, right. Working mm -hmm. with my own first AD and, and people of that nature. And it was great because I had control and I could kind of shape something. And as right. I was doing that, I was like, you know what? I don't even care to, to act anymore. Mm, I care oh, to really? make films. I couldn't give a toss about, sorry. I, I, I don't care about acting. You know, I just want to make films. And from there, I just started making indie films. And every time I got a new piece of equipment, I would take it out as if it was a real filmmaking situation. So I got mm -hmm. what's known as like a Rode VideoMic Pro. And you put it on top of your camera and that's how you record your audio. So when we had our local right. elections, I went out with my new mic, put it on my camera. And I just started putting it in people's faces saying, who are you going to vote for and why? What do you think of this policy? What do you think of that? I just made a little documentary about the local elections we have in in London where I am and bit by bit just doing more and more stuff and from that love I thought gosh I want to speak to other podcast hosts I want to speak to filmmakers I want to speak to writers colorists editors right some actors and um yeah that's how it got into podcasting and filmmaking and I just haven't looked back that is beautiful man that, that, is, that is cheers, cool. cheers. You know, it's amazing. It. I mean, I think it's appropriate for this movie when, when you sort of follow your passions and where yeah. it leads you. Yes. And she Most followed definitely. her passion in, in such a way. Um, oh, she did. She did. Yeah. We're going to we're going to get into the 40 year old version. We're going to get there. Just sit back. Sit back. Let us ride the wheel. This is not your <laughs> podcast, Damien. You could just be a guest here. He right? was doing a bit Damien of producing. Like, 
He was doing a bit of programming. <laughs> I know. He, he, he was slipping in. He was slipping in. You know, he's like, you know, I like running podcasts. I like to look at this one. Hey, hey. They're about to tell us what to do. So, you know, we're going to like slow down. So, first of all, okay. I knew this was going to happen. I'm not going to put the person on blast, but there is a longtime um, fan of the Michelle Mission who has uh, let it be known to me that they love the British accent. There's something oh, about okay. the British accent. And I didn't, I didn't say word one about where our guest was coming from or anything like that. And they have already texted me <laughs> and all it says is thank you, Len. So, oh. <laughs> well, I hope uh, the person thinks my accent is British enough or decent enough. <laughs> <laughs> They, they, they never said thank you. The, the, the thank you is not necessarily for me, Damien. That's, that's it's, all I'm going to say. It's more okay. British than say. our accent. Um, so, yeah, they're used to they're used to this Philly <laughs> crap. Um, uh, the the missionaries already have a question for you, Aaron Fry. What's up, Aaron? And right. wants to know. Uh, it says, Damien, one question. Small acts. Let us know, British bro. Now, Small Axe is, I believe, like a series of films mm-hmm. that are are produced by Steve McQueen. Yes. Um, that are, are they on? They're on Amazon, aren't they? Yeah, Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. Mm-hmm. Right, 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 right. Um, and I think it's interesting that they are they are definitely you know set in, over you know over in in London. Um, but they tell a story that is not often seen here in London. Have you been uh, had an opportunity to check them out, Damien? I haven't checked it out yet, um, Small Axe, but you know, I'm from the Caribbean community originally. And what I can mm-hmm. say is, for example, one of my uncles, there's a, a genre of music called Lover's Rock. And it's kind mm-hmm. of like got a kind of like Chicago soul or American soul singer um singing over well that style singing over like a traditional somewhat slow reggae kind of beat if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. because that type of stuff's not necessarily programmed on national television often a a few of the the caribbean people i know like my uncle for example because he told me about it he loves seeing the moment of the party of that being played out because we don't often get to see it um Mm -hmm. when that stuff was happening i would have been maybe two years old so i don't know but right Mm -hmm. it from what he says and from what others said, it feels very genuine. And I can, I can tell that guy, a lot of Caribbean people are very happy that it's out there. There's a story. Um, I forgot his name now. How can I forget his name? The uh, black guy is in star Wars. Jo- a be- a beggar. Oh. Uh-huh. John Boyega. Yeah. John Boyega. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. He, he plays a policeman. In, um, and it's based on a real story. And, you know, he goes through a lot of stuff and a lot of, you know, people again that I know are happy that this story, these stories are being put out there and they're finally mm-hmm. being told on a broad spectrum because I, from my knowledge, it's a BBC Amazon co- collaboration. Yes, and exactly. you can see when you watch it that there's a certain amount of time and money spent to make it look like a quality production rather than uh, previously in some situations, it feels like in one day someone's given someone 50 cents and said, go and make a series. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just, right, right. it doesn't do the, the, the story justice, but I'm getting a lot of great positive feedback and a lot of people that are happy, um, from the kind of Caribbean community and necessarily, not necessarily just the Caribbean community, but 
you know, African community and other communities, ethnic minority yeah. communities in London, that they're, they're happy to see it and they're glad it's being done. And Steve McQueen obviously is the most successful black filmmaker and he's been given the chance to do this and people are happy about that. Excellent. Very much so. Uh, like, I have to say over here, it, it it's very easy over here in America, or at least where, to my eyes, to get the impression that the only thing that is being produced in the BBC are, you know, um, Downton Abbey wannabes or, mm. you know, um, the lifestyles of the white and uninteresting in London. Right. Yeah. And like and, and that's pretty much what you see, except uh, unless you see you know, the great British bake off right, or something right. like yeah. something like that. So that's why I was very interested in having you on the show, because not only do are you by yourself and, and just being you representative of another side of the um, uh, 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 of uh, of the to represent in London, but you also because of filmmaking conversations and because of what you do and being in the independent world present that other side of the filmmaking industry over there in London. So I was curious, like how, how, what is that, that side of the filmmaking um, world in London? Like how thriving is your independent um, productions and, and spirit over there? Well, what I will say, you you said about Downton Abbey and all of those things. Well, you're correct. I would go as far to say it's 90% Downton Abbey and, and, and things that are, you know, white. So mm -hmm. there isn't, that's why Small Axe is kind of, or, or not just because of that, but there's a reason why Small Axe is held in such high regard by certain quarters of certain communities, because there isn't very often we have things like that. And, I've, and it's great that that's happened, but that's something from the past in terms of what's happening now, you know, pre uh, post Brexit or, or whatever, what's happening now, you don't get stories about now. There's a situation in a building called Grenfell that burnt down. Um, it was very bad, very, very bad situation. Right now is the perfect time for a, a series to be made about that. So a mm. lot of the times we get a small axe or something, a Stephen Lawrence drama or something, but it's 20 years after the situation. Mm. Right, right, right. So it kind of loses, you know, you know. So yeah. we yeah. don't, oh, yeah. we don't have much in that way um, at all. And there's a reason why, you know, we watch so much African-American stuff, you know, like I can mm. go in and listen to ghost dad podcasts. I can go into your podcast <laughs> about <laughs> beach street. And I think, wow, that guy did seem awkward. I had no idea. He was OG Davis. <laughs> <Sorry>. like, <laughs> <you know? laughs> I had no idea. I just thought it was really, you know, whatever but um so there's a reason why we're really in tuned into african-american film culture but the indie spirit again a lot of the times for things to get done here is more of a case of going to institutions like the bbc or bfi or microwave and those type of things to get funding which doesn't they're not just giving you funding it's almost like they're saying we're going to allow you to do something whereas my indie mm. film spirit is completely different now, as soon as right. the digital era kicked in and I, someone, and I saw that a DSLR, a, you know, a camera like that, I can shoot video, then I'm inspired and no one's telling me I can't make what I want to make. 
That's true. Um, that's yeah. a very, you know, I see it in a very different way like that. Even for example, the podcast, I've got a Mac, so it has, it has basic things to start a podcast. Um, I have an audio interface. I can start a podcast. Um, right. So once you have the tools, you can tell your story and get going and do what you need to do. But if you're going to rely on institutions to say, we will allow you come across the bridge, do this, then you would only be stuck in a situation where 90% of the of what you watch is Downton Abbey-ish or Doctor right, Who right, or right. along those lines. You, you kind of just got to embrace the digital area you're in and you got to make it happen. Right. You know, to, to Lynn's point about what we see, you, you know, which obviously yeah. is limited and, and, you know, even what catches, I'll just say my attention. I think the two things that jump out to me would, of course, you know, every couple of years, there's a Luther series. Oh, yeah. But Idris and, is, a, is a Hollywood star, so slightly different for him. Right. He's a, but, yeah. But someone like but Michaela now, Cole, like but, Michaela Cole, it seems like she came through an independent yeah. route, like what you're, you're speaking of. Is, is that accurate or, or do I just not see the... I, I, I don't think she did. I don't know. But I mean, I know L- Idris got Lufa after being in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That's oh, true. oh, no, I'm talking about yeah. Michaela Cole in something like Chewing Gum. Yeah, that's BBC. That's the BBC. Yeah, that that is BBC. BBC. Is, okay. Yeah, that's as big as it gets. Okay. Over here. Mm-hmm. It, it's, you know, it's what the Queen yeah. watches. It's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's everything. So well, there um, you go. In terms of indie, I know it's slightly different. Someone like Mark Duplass and that kind. Of, I'm talking indie in that way. Okay. Right, like, right. True. I've got $3 and I found my super, super 8 millimeter camera in my father's backyard. You know, that type right. of Indian coming up. Um, uh, the Orphan Pixels hits us up and says that costume dramas are an easy international sell. It's true. a vision of an England that appeals to the colonies. That's true. That, that, that is true. I, I mean, to, to Lynn's point about Downton Abbey, it you know, I think for a lot of us here, well, I mean, Orphan Pixel says it like it really is. It's it's almost like this costume drama mm. as opposed to a current day thing that we, you know, you can get on CBS. And And don't get me wrong. I don't I don't want this to come across that I'm, you know, like downing downton abbey because i was I've, I've said it here on the show i was a huge fan of the show i watched it oh, okay. i i watched the movie i and i oh. enjoyed it i there's something about it that that i i enjoyed and it, it well it, i you're a middle-aged white woman i mean there's that <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who aren't watching at home <laughs> you didn't know that lynn was a middle-aged white woman and all of a sudden, driving Miss Daisy makes all oh, it all clicks. Now it all clicks. <laughs> it all comes together now. Right, uh, right. Speaking of movies, uh, Damien, uh, fans of the show know that me and Vince are huge comic book heads. Every week, Vince uh, sits in front of one of his many shelves uh, housed in his comic book den in his house. And we, when we uh, got on camera earlier, before we went live, wondered about the shelves behind (laughs) you, uh, (laughs) thinking that perhaps those were comic books. But no, we were wrong. In fact, what is adorned on your shelves back there, Damien? 
Ah, oh, well, welcome to my library, everyone. We have <laughs> my stepmother is an alien. <laughs> the thing, aliens. White men can't jump. Bad company. And they're all videos. <laughs> That's just some of the videos I've got behind me. Boomerang. Boomerang. I like your podcast about Boomerang. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I've got videos behind me. Got to have them. You never yes. know where the internet's down. So, so for but, those of you who are, who are missing that, those are video cassettes. That's oh, exactly sorry. right. Yeah, sorry. Right. Those are video, video cassettes. cassettes. Yeah, video cassettes with ribbon in them <laughs> that you would play on a VCR, mm. a video yes. cassette recorder. Yeah, exactly. Which means that you, in fact, do have a video cassette recorder. Is that correct, Damien? Not only do I have a video cassette recorder, <laughs> I have a video cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. That is old school. Yeah. You can still get them on eBay. Oh. Yeah. I bet you can. <laughs> does it does it come with the little yeah, like yeah, the yeah. squirt the little, you need a the little squirt. bottle? You the gotta squirt. squirt it. Squirt it in, put it in, press play. <laughs> 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Gotta do it. Oh my god. Oh my god! Oh my god! So, but but Damien, Damien, yeah. my man, in, yeah. embracer of the digital age, <laughs> right? You just gave this rousing speech <laughs> about about how the gatekeepers are falling because of how technology has democratized the creation of art. Very true, but. Yeah, but it's just like you know, it's just. Did your mama those. give you boomerang? Is that what it is? <laughs> she did. Yeah, she gave me Murphy box set. Murphy was cop free is my favorite. No, I'm joking. Wait, uh, wait, a minute, Vince. Vince, you know what we got to look for? Does he have roots back there? <laughs> oh. No. Oh my god! You do not have roots on video cassette. <laughs> no, and I, I tell you why. I tell you why because I taped it. You know when you tape uh, it when it was on yes. TV, but all the I had to get rid of some of them because I had too many. So all the things that were taped, <laughs> those are the ones I got rid of. All the ones right. I bought, definitely keeping. That's why I said it. Okay. So, but okay. otherwise, it would have roots and the first season of a different world and things like that. And a- Which is available on DVD. I'm just, <laughs> and well, Blu-ray. I actually watched A Different World on um on Netflix, I think, last year. Okay. I couldn't be bothered to get the DVD out. So I know I know what you mean. <laughs> I mean, not the DVD, the video. <laughs> There's something about videos, man. I don't know. <laughs> it's a warmer technology. Yes. And the, and the, it, com- the the trailers, those style of trailers with the voiceover and everything, <laughs> I love those. Remember Orion Orion Pictures, Orion Pictures? Yes, Orion Pictures. Yeah, yes. man. I love that the star. <laughs> oh God, I love it. Mm. I'm through. I'm through. I can't even continue. All right, so, um, Vince, we gotta we gotta. Uh, <laughs> 
gotta get into the show, but we got a we got a we, letter. We don't want to talk more about old technology. I was already to talk about eight tracks. <laughs> Anyone got a Betamax? <laughs> did you have? Do you, do you know what I mean? A Betamax? No, we, we, yes, we, I, we I did know. have. We did have Betamax. I, I, yeah. I do know. I do. Now I will say though, I was once kind of seriously thinking about going out and seeing I couldn't get my hand on like like some vintage laser disc like just oh. to say that I had laser disc you know what I mean but where would you play those <laughs> a laser disc player <laughs> when no, I come I mean, to London I, I, I'll stop by <laughs> Damien's house I was about to say don't act like you don't have any <laughs> I remember getting the Ninja Turtle one do you remember Ninja Turtle film, the original one? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, yes. yeah. That, that was a big indie film. Yeah, that was on LaserDisc. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Vince, we got a letter. Okay. <laughs> we got to keep it moving. Uh, J. Maverick Johnson. Excuse hey, what's me, up? J. Maverick. What's up, J. J. Maverick, Maverick Johnson? Jackson. Hey, what's up, Jackson. J. Maverick Jackson? Michelle Mission, can you folks recommend a great, Christian themed black movie for watching at socially distanced church events for Christmas to share watch from separate locations. And if you could go beyond the obvious choices like Sister Act, The Fighting Temptations and Medea. Well, first of all, I don't think I would recommend any Medea film for a church social. And yet that's where I always see them. Yeah. I, I don't understand. I don't understand. Look at Damien. He's cracking. It up. <laughs> <laughs> like you act like you, you haven't been on a bus trip, a family reunion, a church gathering in the past 10 years. And it wasn't a Medea film playing somewhere. Well, I have to, I have to be honest. I haven't been on a, a bus trip in the, in it's easily been over ten years, right? Um, with like a church or something like that, so I don't know. But you're right; they would very often be playing like a Medea film or Medea ish type of film. Um, a great Christian themed black movie. Um, did any come to your mind, Damien? Um. But no, because I, I, when when you mentioned Fighting Temptations, that's another one I've got uh, bottom right. Ironic. <laughs> so um, I love that God. film. Wait a I minute, you do it. not have the Fighting Temptations on videotape. I do. <laughs> I didn't even think videotape was still a thing when that movie came out. I may have got it from my barber shop, but that's <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> but, uh, I, but I think. You know what? It's nice to know that that's a cross or an intracultural thing that they sell stuff in barbershops in London, too. Yes, especially when DVDs first came out. Wow. In the the thin (laughs) plastic. Yeah. Wow. Really? Yeah. Really? They went hard in the barbershops over there, too. Yeah. Southeast. Could you buy tube socks? Could you also buy tube socks? Socks? In the barbershop? But but funny things like you could buy trainers, but you couldn't buy socks. So maybe you could buy if you can buy trainers, someone would have sold socks. I'm guessing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. This is a translation thing. Oh, sneakers. Trainers. Sorry. 
You could buy sneakers at the barbershop. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. That's what because that's we call tra- sneakers trainers. I see. I was going to. Th- I was going to think cross trainers, but I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure exactly what uh, you were training over there. So I wasn't going to. I wasn't. Gonna, I didn't want to judge. Vince, have you ever gone to a barbershop and been able to buy a pair of sneakers? No, no. Oh, just wow. dinners. Dinners is always somebody selling dinners. Batteries. Dinners. Batteries. Socks. Socks. Video and oils. Uh, you, you know the DVDs, which mm. which went on much longer than you would think. Mm-hmm. And oils. You could always buy oils. Oils. You could buy yeah. oils. I don't ever remember okay. seeing sneakers. That's crazy. Yeah, in, to- in an area, a place called Tottenham. I lived once before. Tot- Tottenham is a proper way to pronounce it, I guess. Or Tottenham, whatever. That's where I used to um, live. In the bar- there was like so many barbers there. So you could get really good deals because there's so much competition. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> They're haggling over the trainers. <laughs> yeah. So much competition. I love black people from the entire diaspora. <laughs> Great. Amen. All right, so we got to come up with some Christian themed black movies to suggest. So, so would preachers preach, preacher's wife is too too obvious? We're thinking. Well, he, he didn't list preacher's wife, so the preacher's wife is not a bad one. Um, Vince actually wrote a couple. He said, uh, "Jingle Jangle," "Jump the Broom." Yeah, "Jump the Broom." Well, I missed the Christian themed. I don't know if "Jingle Jangle" is Christian themed, but it's certainly a family movie. Certainly a family movie. Uh, Aaron Fry suggested Holiday Heart. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, you should probably preview Holiday Heart before you show it to the church. You know your church better than we do. Yeah, you know you know your congregation. Um, I don't know about that. Uh, What's the Dolly Parton s- one? The Dolly Parton Queen Latifah one I shot to you? Oh, is that uh, Joyful Noise? Joyful Noise. Joyful Noise. Yeah, that's not a bad one. You also said, you also recommended Hidden Figures. I've seen well, I didn't, I didn't see the Christian part. Oh, okay. Because I'm about to say, that's not... Right. Because I also recommended The Killer with Chow Yun-Fat. <laughs> yes. Which I don't know where you were going. <laughs> um, not to be confused with The Killers with, with Burt, Burt Lancaster. Lancaster. Right, right, right. The Killers with Burt Lancaster. Right. Well, there's a few that you could choose from, uh, Jay Maverick Jackson. I would I would choose any of them before I would choose a Medea film. I'll tell you that. Don't do that to yourselves. And don't do that to your church. All right? <laughs> uh, Orphan Pixels suggests the, the, the Book of Eli. No, no. <laughs> See, what, what are y'all doing? What, what about family film did you miss, missionaries? <laughs> I guess technically... I guess technically that's a Christian themed film, though. Just because it's about a Bible <laughs> doesn't mean, mean that it doesn't mean you should. <laughs> don't make it Christian. Right, right. I mean, you know, come on. They're talking about something they could watch at Christmas. I'm not suggesting Passion of the Christ. Right, right, right. Not really a, a family friendly. Yeah, okay. All right. Just go fire up a Charlie Brown Christmas and call it a day. You got to pay Apple. I know. Isn't that whack? You know what? I heard, I saw a lot of people like complaining. I don't know if you know about this, Damien, that um, Apple now has exclusive rights 
to all of the Charlie Brown um, oh, I didn't know holiday that. specials. I don't know if the holiday specials, how they played over there. Holiday, uh, well, comedy specials? So when you say specials, what no, do you mean? So? It's like a well, kid's, it's like a cartoon. Oh, Charlie Brown and Snoopy. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah, right. but it, but it's like uh, it's like this American tradition since the '60s. There's oh. a, an animated Christmas special that that generations of us have grown up watching, and Apple purchased the rights to it, and now they're not playing it on regular television. Yeah, you got to pay to see it. You got to pay to. So see you it. have to subscribe monthly to Apple TV. Exactly. Uh, exactly. I see. Okay. Exactly. No, we. I've seen one or two. They're just on our regular BBC Two, right? Right. So, yeah. Well, they're not BBC in any place over here, <laughs> except on, except on Apple. Um, but here's the thing, though, Vince. It's it's as much as people have been, you know, upset about that. There's a part of me that is, you know, you know, I stay connected to my inner child, so I talk to the kids mm-hmm. and. The kids ain't checking for Charlie Brown anymore. The kids ain't checking for, you know, um, uh, 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 Santa Claus is coming uh, uh, a, a year without a Santa Claus. So all those Rankin Bass, you know, classics and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman. They're not really checking for those things anymore, man. Well, I think and, and I'm sure this was Apple's reasoning. I think there mm-hmm. is an entire generation of folks our age, maybe 10, 15 years younger than us, who now have children. Right. And are actually introducing our children to these. And it's a bit unfair that if you don't have the resources to subscribe to Apple or, 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 or you know, in, in, in my case, I own them. That you oh, you wow. can't show it to your kids, so I don't okay, I don't you you, you I don't own think, them you can, I don't think part of of the strategy was a kid was going to stumble upon them anyway. Like I think it's always parents introducing their kids to them, which uh, still makes it whack to me. You're yeah. right. You're right. You're right, Vince. You're right. Right, right. Like I and feel like the, the 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 president of Apple's programming, like I feel like I want to find two other people and we dress up as ghosts and visit him. You and Damien can go do that. <laughs> right, right, right. Because da- Damien, you actually have the accent, so we could really pull it off. You might have to play all three ghosts. <laughs> I'll give it a go. Let's do it. All right. He's got the acting. He's got the acting background. All right. Let's get into our review of the 40-year-old version. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. on what kind of play we want to write. Remember, if you put in nothing, it'll be nothing. Like your career? Remember this face? She was one of Spotlight Magazine's 30 under 30 playwrights to watch. We watched, but where'd she go? 
are you? Good. Archie tells me you're teaching. How's somebody who ain't had no real hit gonna tell me how to write a play? She ain't no Tyler Perry. I did win a 30 under 30 award. Yes, it was quite a couple of years ago. What do I gotta do? Write a slave musical, an all white play? This some bullshit. It rang a little inauthentic. I asked myself, did a black person really write this? This some fucking bullshit, bullshit. Think about me doing hip hop. Doing what to it? I want to make a mixtape about the 40-year-old woman's point of view. Why my skin so dry? Why am I yawning right now? Why them AARP niggas sending shit to my house? This is 40. Hey, Mama, what you need? <clears throat> Beats, tracks. For what? For me? Yo, here's a little story about a girl who's black. Let's add some asthma attacks from all the courtyard crack. Yo, no happy blacks in the plot lines, please. But a crane shot a big mama crying on her knees. Yo, yo, Rodimus Prime, 40 year old version. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> this is about creating something that is mine. You're not just talking about shit, you making shit. Shit. I got you. You don't think I'm some crazy old girl for doing this? Mm, I ain't say all that. 40-year-old version. White man with a black woman's butt. How you carry all that back there? What the fuck? Yes, what the fuck? The 40-year-old version, written, directed, and produced by Rada Blank in her feature directorial debut, co-produced by Lena Waith. Rada is a down-on-her-luck New York playwright, desperate for a breakthrough before 40. Reinvented as Rodimus Prime, she vacillates between the worlds of hip-hop and theater, to find her own true voice. This film, which was the darling of Sundance Film Festival in January of this year, before it, where it was quickly snatched up by Netflix, is the second choice of our guest this evening, Dwayne Swaby. Damien mm-hmm. Swaby. I don't know why. I don't know why I said Dwayne. <laughs> That's okay. I don't know why. I'm sorry, Damien Swaby of the Filmmaking Conversations podcast. Damien, what do you have to say of the 40-year-old version? Well, it was a pleasant surprise because at first I thought, should I watch this? Should I not? And then I kind of pressed play on t- Netflix and I was just like, wow. From the time um, Tribe Called Quest, I think ele- Electric Relaxation kicked in. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, this is, f- this is for me. And especially it was like it shot black and white and it just reminded me of the the video for that song without ripping it off, if you get what I mean. Mm-hmm. And it right, sits perfectly. Right. And the reality of that story, she wants to be a creative without selling out and she wants to be a creative without doing harm to herself mentally which mm-hmm. can happen to a lot of people they, they they become creative under certain conditions and it really hurts them and i really love the performances in this film so even from the start when eleanor the a young girl she's teaching when she's just like rude to her she's just like she i can just see it now in that type of because i've done workshops before i've been involved in them and when it's mm-hmm. like 
there's a young person and they see 40 year old and they just think retirement or something. I don't know what they think. Right. That's true. And she, and she just kind of really just got at her, like, how are you going to teach me? You ain't done nothing. And it's like, just kind of getting rid of all of her experiences, you know, undermining her time on the planet, undermining her struggles. And, you know, I know 30 under 30 is a funny thing. I admit, but that is still some sort of an achievement. And she's been writing for ages. So to have that dedication to be consistent says a lot about someone, especially mm-hmm. if they're being consistent in a time of not being able to pay their rent. Mm-hmm. So I really take my hat off to a lot of people like that. And then on a, on a technical level, I love the fact that the film was shot, handheld, with camera shake and, and black and white and everything. And, but it still looked very cinematic. Mm-hmm. And they, when they chose to go into kind of more kind of indie looking film, the bits between the brother, sorry, but between a love interest and Rhonda herself, it was like they had the film almost felt like it was, beh- the, sorry, the camera almost felt like it was behind um, a shelf and it was almost spying on this intimate moment, allowing yeah. them to have that space rather than doing a kind of generic over shoulder, over shoulder, over shoulder, over shoulder. And it was only yeah. further down in that scene when they kind of got really to discuss their, their parents when we got more into it. And I thought that mm-hmm. type of filmmaking and the decisions that were made to shoot it in that way, I just thought were really good. And the, the way they had the film grain also in the film to give it a less clean look. because And I thought that was really good because this story isn't particularly very clean. She has to go through so much in the relationship with her best friend as well. Relationships in that film, she had with her friend, uh, her brother, uh, <laughs> the white woman in rehearsals. That was just like something out of this world. Uh, all of those relationships, all of those challenges, all of those things you have to deal with. And, you know, I won't give away the end in terms of like a spoiler or anything. But once you go through all of that and you get what you want, sometimes by the time you get what you want, Right. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that because it's like you're 40 now. You're not 26. You're not even mm-hmm. 36. So the film I felt was a true mirror on what a lot of black creators have to go through and what we live through and how we have to deal with it. So that's one of the reasons why I wanted, the main reason why I wanted to discuss this film. I love the specificity of it. And, and I think... <laughs> You and I said the same thing. As soon as I heard electric relaxation, I said, oh, yeah, I'm in because yeah. it is it it represents such, again, this specific relationship with hip hop of a person right. of a certain age this is this is actually the second film that we've we've talked about that kind of addresses that, uh, you know, years and years ago when we did big words. That was one of the themes of big mm-hmm. words. You know, this sense of who does hip hop belong to, or, or rather, who all can claim hip hop? You know, right. you know, this sentiment that you don't age out of hip hop, like you still love it. And and I thought it was wonderful how she brought the gendered aspect to it. So not only is she hmm. an an older woman, that hip hop culture or rather popular hip hop culture would say there's no space for you in hip hop, but now she's also a woman and Mm -hmm. how that speaks to it. Everything that you said about her being a black creative and what she has to go through. I I think, I I think you have these three distinct stories that 
are fully developed stories. And, and, you know, one of them is her journey through the theater world, which mm. I thought, right, you, you know, it's satire, but it wasn't that satirical. Like, like when she, no, talked, it wasn't. she talked about the, 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 the poverty porn of the type yes. of theater that these white audiences love when, when, you know, when she talked about sort of community theater and how mm-hmm. it may be fulfilling spiritually, but you can't pay your rent. Um, I've I've never taught as workshop she, as she dies as she dies the 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 leak in the right, roof right you know I've never taught workshops but I have taught and I've mentioned before I always admire someone who captures that wonderful alchemy of teaching young people where children mm-hmm. are terrible like teenagers are terrible <laughs> they are yeah. terrible human beings but there is something about them. That that you you know you can't like like you want to strangle them, but you also want to take care of them. And and I thought her relationship with these students was so well built, and so mm-hmm. you know and and it's it's a testament to the script and to her as a director that you really do get this fully realized story and and this yeah. you, you know this really lived in world that that she creates and and i you know i thought i i thought this was a magnificent debut i i really did and i think i i love that you say lived in world because the first thing that i felt um as much as you know again i'll reference uh electric relaxation brings you into this world and makes you feel like you're home so mm. does the so does the world building of this movie. You feel like you are in her Harlem. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like you feel like you're in a real apartment. You feel like you're on real streets. And the interactions on the streets <laughs> feel 100% authentic. Right down to as much as... I, and I love this film. I loved everything about the film but my favorite part of this film is lamont the bum across the street <laughs> the homeless guy across the street i think i know what it's gonna be but oh. because there's a moment i'm like and he is just like the greek chorus throughout this whole movie right the, he's he's just like giving her crap every time she comes out the door. And I love the way that it's shot because, you know, you don't get close up on him until she actually is close up on him later in the Mm. film. So every time you see him, it's from across the street. It's him hollering across the street. And there's a moment where she is talking to her best friend, which is another fantastic relationship in this this film. Her best friend, Archie, played by Peter Kim. Um... And, and Lamont from across the street says, just give the bruh a chance. <laughs> I, I stopped the film and laughed out loud in, in the most pure way, more than I have laughed in a good long time <laughs> at that moment. 
And he made me laugh out loud so many times in this film. There was a moment where he talks about, can you put a little mayonnaise on both sides yeah. of the bread? <laughs> I'm, oh my God. But it was so, so authentic. Everything yeah. about this movie was so spot on authentic, right? Mm-hmm. And for this to be a first time filmmaker, um, I don't, you know, she's a creative. Rada Blank has yeah. been a creative her oh, whole yeah. life. So it's, mm. I, I would find it hard to believe that this is her first script. And she's oh, yeah. been doing rhyming for a long time. So we know these aren't her first rhymes because they definitely don't sound like my first rhymes. And I'll tell you, <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you some bad rhymes. These were not bad, bad first rhymes. This, this, was, this was hot fire. She was spitting. But for this to be her first film and her directorial debut to be so authentic, it was almost like watching, you'll appreciate this, Vince, it was almost like watching the, the birth of Spike Lee all over again mm-hmm. on film with the, the, with the, the feeling of place, um, the, the language, the rhythms, the patois, the street, the characters who, who, Easily, many of them could have been caricatures, but still had some form of, you know, um, fullness to them. I just thought there was like very, very few um, bad moments about this film. This is just like spot on good. Well, well, you mentioned Spike Lee, but but again, back to the specificity. She clearly comes from this black Gen X, Gen Y point of view and and you see these markers throughout like we've talked about the tribe called quest electric relaxation but you have de la soul in here you have sadat x from brand nubian with the Mm -hmm. quick cameo her it's called a hillman grad production speaking of a different world and did you catch the purple rain homage no. When Elaine, when Elaine, when her terrible student goes by with her girls and she mm-hmm. leans back and says, I heard you had a great show. It is almost an, the exact shot from Purple Rain when oh. Morris says, how's the family? All the way to the point where they show the beat afterwards where she feels bad about saying it. So again... Yeah. This is somebody who is from a very specific, pardon the pun, tribe. This is someone mm. who's telling a very specific story, you know, to the point where, you know, it's, it's, I don't know if it's fair or unfair to compare them, but the last time I saw this conceit of a woman rapping in the mirror and, you know, saying, you know, talking about all her problems is Issa Rae does it. In insecure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Issa is younger than mm-hmm. Rada. So that these are two different people doing the same thing, but from two different perspectives. Yeah. You know, again, you, you really can't say enough about this. Like, like this really is, well, again, a, th- this great achievement. Yeah. 
It's amazing. It's her debut film. I never thought of it like that, but it is amazing. And I know what you mean when you said earlier about Spike and that type of authenticity and stuff, but some of the shots when they had, she had people at the beginning and during the films, a 70 year old woman speaking to camera when they changed <laughs> mm-hmm. the aspect ratio and stuff, similar to she's right. got to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, completely, completely brilliant, completely brilliant. And MJ Dickerson, um, chimes in saying that I enjoyed this movie, but it kind of stung in a couple of places because I made 42 this year and have always felt, uh, quote unquote, there according to the timetable of life. And if you are creative of a certain age with, you know, which all of us, are, you know, are, um, there are definitely moments in this in this film that, you know, I don't know if they sting, but they definitely ring true. Um, and I think that just adds to the level of authenticity. Um, and one of them is, you know, just waking up and realizing you're about to turn 40 and mm-hmm. you had these aspirations. You had these dreams about what you wanted to be, what you wanted to achieve, where you wanted to be when you're 40 years old. Um, and you start doing a little, you know, self-reflection and record reconciliation of yourself um and that can cause some doubts especially and i think it's it's such a a strong moment in the film when it happens when she mentions about you know how fearless she was but then her mother died right and it was it was after her mother died that you know she found herself being very afraid because of what that means, you know, uh, what the passing of your, of your parent can mean for you as far as like, you know, you know, yes, missing your, your parent, but also what does it, you know, that definitely makes you take stock of yourself. Um, and I thought, and, and my God, man, there, there has not been a creative that I know that hasn't faced that same question, um, and had to face it you know, kind of look it honestly in the face. And I applaud her being doing that and opening herself up to that in, in this film because it felt real and, and, and I felt for her. I know a movie gets me when I am not only just rooting for you in the movie, but I am riding your emotional wave of that character. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what I was doing. I was riding every wave with her, man. And, um, it's just it, shit. I, it's just some good stuff, man. It, 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 it was amazing. It's amazing stuff. You know, I, I, I it's it's funny how MJ Dixon. You you kind of have these markers at an age, and and mm-hmm. it is you know I, I do think forty is one of those ages that 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 she's. But in this is a weird moment. Like I'm gonna keep hammering at the specificity of her point of view where we're a weird generation. Like, I'm not sure how old you are, Dean, but I feel like we're around, like we're all in the same kind of wheelhouse where I, I, he's got video cassettes. He's got, but, but I feel like we're, we're the first. Yeah. (laughs) I'm 14. Yes. Well, but we're like the first kind of wave that we don't have those clearly defined markers of I'm not a kid anymore. Now I'm a man or now I'm a woman. 
where you, you, you know, I have one of my best friends said this years ago, and and appropriately enough, we were just talking about. He said, "I don't care how old we get, we're always going to buy sneakers. We're always mm. going to read comic books. We're always going to play video games, and you know, all of these activities that are quote unquote for children." Mm. Well, yeah, yeah. So yeah. that it's it it is it it's it is kind of difficult to nail down where you are and what you're supposed to do based on society standards that were always artificial. Mm-hmm. Like it was always artificial. Like, like I love the fact that when she goes, you know, talking, we haven't really talked about her relationship with D who makes the beats, the 26 year old. But I love the fact that, once she gets past that kind of awkward moment of her being an, an almost 40 year old woman going into the booth, she belongs there just as much, if not more as any of these young boys in there. And in many yeah. ways more, because he even mentions it. He says to the young boys, you come in here and chat all your, Bruh. what you, you know, what are you even saying on the mic? Cause she's the only authentic, she's the real rapper, the real MC, the real, authentic person in the room so that makes her kind of belong there in a way that others don't belong there but beforehand even thinking about being a creative you know i think when you go to school this is my opinion you you so for example for my situation you think i'm creative you think i'm going to be a creative and in school you have the options of drama or music this is how it was for me in in, in school mm-hmm. and, and many people in the uk and you pick one of those two things. And then as you get older, as I said, a life and development, I'm like, oh, bruh, bruh. I'm a filmmaker. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to do. But it felt with her in her story, which made it interesting. And that situation in particular interesting is when she started rapping initially, even though she was good, it felt desperate. Mm-hmm. So when she was with her best friend, I almost wanted inside my stomach. I was like, please don't do it. Please. Right. I want to see you becoming the best writer mm-hmm. you know for, for in theater but she took the other the other way of doing things and you're right she d- definitely fitted in there but it was interesting and like you say about expectations and what society says and what you should be doing because i kind of fell into that trap myself while watching it when i was thinking you're nearly 40 you're a woman why are you going to start being a rapper? But you were right. She she fits in there and we are in those kind of gray areas because me, myself, you know, I'm going to watch Cloak and Dagger again tomorrow morning, um, <laughs> which <laughs> which apparently is for young people or whatever. Um, and I'm, I like playing my PlayStation with my friends. It's like soccer games. You play on the PlayStation and it's the best. The only difference now is we drink beer instead of, you know, Coca-Cola yeah. while we do it. <laughs> That's very true. Very, that very is true. so true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very true. Um, but her um speaking speaking of her her choice to do that, I could I can definitely appreciate that because there does come a point where, especially if you, once you do reach a, a certain point in your creativity where you just you you just need to kind of like push it someplace else and you've been and if you've been pushing up a rock one way you kind of like want to just start exercising something else it's just it's if even a release so as as desperate as her rhymes showed 
could could come off her getting into the game could come off of as I thought it also came off as like a release for her. You know what I mean? And I think she saw it as a release and once you start to make that leap from it no longer being for you and now you're trying to put do it for other people that's when that's the that's the hard bridge to cross which is mm-hmm. why she fell off that bridge the first time she did it you know when she goes she goes oh, up gosh. on stage yeah. uh, well that and, and the weed you, well okay <laughs> It may have been a little bit of the weed, you know, was this Colorado? But, um, but that, and talk about being riding a, a scene with somebody. I almost couldn't watch that scene. I was so embarrassed for her. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but, but that's the, I, that's the, the mark of good filmmaking. But, uh, that's what happens because you, it, 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 it it was no longer for her. It was no longer, it was no longer real, you know? Um, and, Speaking of D, I thought it was kind of, I thought it was actually interesting that you had a 26 year, year old who is definitely about his music, but is also because, and this is, and this to a degree is a, a little bit of a commentary on the world of hip hop, is waiting to be wild. He's waiting for yeah. the realness to come into mm-hmm. the room. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. And when it does come in the room, he knows it. He's going through the motions. He's put he's putting together fat beats and he's got these boards that he's working with. And some of them got some skills, but both of them, like you said, they're just putting words together that they that sound cool. They have no idea what they're doing. But he's waiting for the real. And when it comes in comes in the room, you feel it. And it was almost like as much as she was learning to love him herself again, she was uh, helping him to fall in love with hip hop again. And th- that was what brought them together. And I thought it was actually just a real magical moment. Um, especially how they connect on the idea of both having dead mothers, which is seated yeah. early on and then plays out so beautifully. Yeah. In their scene together. I mean, it was such a touching moment and again another moment where it was just so authentic to speak about how you feel about your mother who is no longer here and yet is still here um as someone who has lost their parents i feel that every freaking day um so i i liked it i i love that i'd love to just to speak to their finish up on their relationship i actually 100 percent loved their relationship and i as much as we're giving love to rada uh rada blank as the writer and star of this film i want to give some and director some love to and director yeah, give some like love to aswin yeah. benjamin and who played d because mm-hmm. you know if you had told me that that was like just some real DJ that they found. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have said, okay, I believe it. But the fact that he is actually an, a, a, a working actor that, that, that was just embodied this so well, it's like amazing. It's like a coming out for him as well. Good on him. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just love the whole cast. You know, again, to kids, and and I feel like this comes up periodically, 
kid actors are always, you know, you're rolling the dice. And I loved mm-hmm. all of those kids. I loved them so much. I loved the theater world. I loved, um, I loved, uh, Reed, Reed Bernie as Jay Whitman. Okay. Who's, yes. who's sort of yes. the, um, who's sort of this, this really terrible human being, but a producer. Yeah. But I thought he was realistic. I, I thought this is something he was, you, you know? Yeah. And Take his relation, and I got a funny feeling Damien can can can, can co-sign that. Right. And his oh, relationship to it, black art. Yeah. You know, there was it, it was a. Go ahead. Sorry, I interrupt. No, no, I interrupted. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I I'm just going to say I love him. Floor is yours, so Damien. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, it's just the bits where he was telling her about who needs to be in there and and how to say things. And I just thought I've been in that experience before. Like I said, I'm from a Jamaican background originally, and I've been in a play, and the director was kind of telling me how an older Jamaican would act <laughs> and what I need to put in and do. And I literally, anyone would tell me I'm not one to lose my temper, but I was this close to literally just ripping his head off because I just <laughs> thought you're like some middle class posh guy from, you know his family would have been where Downton Abbey is that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, and you're right. telling me this, you're, you're literally telling me how people I'm related to and have been around my entire life would act because you watched roots. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. Like, you know, so um, I felt that in the room f- f- from that guy and, and from her. And even, I don't know if you guys, you probably picked up as well when, at the, when the two white women were walking into the theater and she says, I, I, <laughs> And by the way, the mockingbird didn't die. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I thought, yeah, spot on. <laughs> Those moments, I just thought, yeah, that, there that's are right. so uh, many little gems. Like they're going to do the interracial version of fences. Oh, August Wilson, timeless. Yeah, timeless. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we we know well. Uh, Judy Lipschitz. She directed Raisin in the Sun. She directed so Raisin in the Sun. <laughs> and there's the bit when the the lady's doing the reading, and she's like, "Why am I speaking like this?" Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. things like that are, are, are not uncommon in in London. I can tell you that much. Um, really? But luckily for me, there was a situation in Iceland. I don't know if you've ever been to Iceland, and. There was a funny situation like that. We, me and one actor, we had to do. Remember Fresh Prince and Jazzy Def do the whole. Yeah. Yes. You remember that? that? Yeah. And they put that in the script, and it was really cool because we were just like, no, that's kind of like from another kind of bit outdated, and that's African American, and we don't really do that in in Britain. It's and it's a, like a comedy, and it was ironic because the, the guys in Iceland, the director and the you know the the people above, were just like, fine, we'll take it out. They mm. instantly understood that that oh, was well, good. not appropriate. Right, it wasn't that real, story had a happy ending. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, you know, I've been situations here where that can cause a problem because mm-hmm. they'll be saying, "So, what? What are you trying to say about us?" Right. I'm right. like, well, I think you're telling me what you're kidding me. Isn't <laughs> <it>? <laughs> so exactly. that's that. that exactly. That's a problem. But I think she really nailed that rehearsal point and how difficult it would have been for her. And she was in the middle of the two other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she's having to explain to this black actress 
and the black actress is not being rude, but she's just putting her point across that if she's 35, why is she talking like this? What? <laughs> right. You know, right. That, and it's, um, it's sad. It's, it's sad. And I just thought she captured that well. And the, and the other dramas that happen when you're in that situation, I thought was done very well. And she's like, the phone rings and it's like about rent. Yeah. How do you concentrate? Yep. When that's yep. in your head. Yeah. You, you can't. You can't. And, um, and I like that they didn't sugarcoat that. Like, I no. like that she actually <laughs> took the job. I mean, look, you yeah. have to eat. Exactly. You, you have to eat. Electricity is a nice thing. Yeah. You're going to yeah. take the job. <laughs> yes, it is. I kind of... I kind of hate those those films that, when they don't take the job. When it becomes, it, it almost becomes a Marvel Universe situation, right? Where this right. person is just like, I'm not going to accept anything, and um, I'm just going to win. And it's like, really? Yeah. Yeah. You got to wash your clothes. <laughs> it's it's funny. We we've had a running joke in my house the past week where we talked about black people. He don't actually call it electricity. We call it the light bill. Because, oh, okay. because the immediate—I mean, it's so immediate. Like we use electricity yeah, right. for lots of things, but black people call it the light bill. Like well, I know their light bill is high because it's—it's <laughs> light. You know, right. it is. It like it's a visceral thing. So uh, I yep. agree with you. Like I'm glad that they look. The woman has to eat. She asked yeah. them. Maybe maybe, look- maybe we should speak to my ancestors. I was about to go there. I was about to go there. Because I think we're on Karen wants my rent to be paid. <laughs> I was just about to go there. That's a great that was a great bit. Um I but and thank you for going there. So now I can go where where else I wanted to go to. And that was her relationship with her best friend Archie, who we mentioned was mm-hmm. um uh, played mm-hmm. by Peter Kim, a uh, Korean uh, actor who was her best friend since high school. They went to the prom with each other. Strictly platonic. Uh, he is uh, a gay man um, and she's his, his best friend. He is her ostensibly her agent is mm-hmm. trying to get her, you know, her writing out there, get her pl- plays produced. Um and what I appreciated about it is that, that, again, their friendship was very authentic because they were able to call each other out mm. on each other's bullshit mm-hmm. um, without it causing any type. There's absolutely no ripple in their friendship at all throughout this entire film. And yet they do get at each other they do uh go at each other's neck a couple of times in the film rightfully so when um he um for you know he's he's bending over backwards trying to get her get her out there and she seems to be kind of dismissive of her of her uh of his efforts um and he also is not receptive to the ambiguity that she has when she starts feeling like she's kind of like selling out and, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and that causes them to start like, you know, being a little mean to each other, doing what best friends can do kind of like, 
you know, throwing jabs at each other that because you know, you know where the wounds are. So you know where to, to mm. make that cut. Mm-hmm. Um, but because you are your best friend, you're making that cut with a butter knife and you know, it's not going to like cut, but so bad. And they, they, they still are true. Just indeed best friends is there's a full arc for their friendship throughout this film. I thought it was just lovely and, and wonderfully done. Yes, I felt that too. And I've, one of the, the, the really open and honest things that I was surprised, but I guess she would have known herself if they grew up as friends, is when he said, you know, I took you to the prom. You, know, you were black, but thank God you weren't a man. Mm-hmm. Like how his father would have reacted. And I thought, wow, that's, that's really going in there. But I guess it was a, a real friendship. And she would have known growing up that, you know, his dad would want him to have a Korean woman or not a... And she, she even plays on that in the film, which I thought was really good. They did yeah. mention that. Like, why, yeah. why don't you get a Korean um, a girlfriend and stuff? Um, and I, I thought that was really honest. And it shows the length of their friendship in a real way, not yeah. glossing over things. Um, but even so, to, I, I don't know, maybe it's, it's different in that way over there than over here. But I think to basically tell someone your parent is racist and your friends, it just yeah. felt like, wow, that's a, a huge... And you'd be like, I've been sitting around your dinner table at your parents' house and they think I'm a fucking nigga or something. I don't know how well, it plays out, but it, it really kind of just was a bit honest. I got a funny feeling. She wasn't sitting at his house. It didn't go to the house too, too often. They were friends right. probably in the streets and at school right. um, okay. on the phone with one another. And yeah, she had to, you know, because of their friendship, she went to the prom. But, um, you know, I, I think she knew what, you know, where how far to go into his life right you know and and just i I just want to point out how elegant a moment that was in the script where where one where the the producer says to him you know what is the deal with you two and then they just show the snapshot of the photo of the of them Mm -hmm. at the prom and everything you need to know it's right there is right there in that prom picture Yep. And then they just, yep. I mean, it's its a beautiful script. It really yeah, yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. You're right. It is right there because, you know, there's only subtle hints of the length of their relationship. Like, as you get later into the film, they it, it, it you know, there, there are words given to it. But um, other than that, it really is that, that flash of that, for a long time, it's just that flash of that prom picture. Um, he's like, oh, okay. They that cool. It's been that long, you know right? What I mean, that they've been in each other's life. Um, so yeah, that was that was good. Yeah, that, that, there's a lot of smart smart moments like there. That I thought that one of the uh, another use of like cutting to pictures and cutting to you know um, other things was uh, when she is sharing the moment with D and mm. she's talking about her mother. And the, the, the especially like the, the tattoo, the, her, mm-hmm. her uh, ankle tattoo, and that being a piece of art that her mother had done before, you know, long ago when she was trying to do like her own line of greeting cards. And then you see, you know, snapshots of her mother's artwork. Uh, and then that, that just makes it all the more powerful when throughout the film she's not answering her brother's phone calls yeah. as you're hearing um and as he is just trying to put his mother's affairs in order you know because she has passed you know get, get the house in order um and eventually she is led to go there 
to their mother's house and you that's when you meet the brother on screen and you actually that's when you get the full culmination of who her mother was right and you can see at that moment not only what her mother meant to her as far as just you know raising her but as far as also being the inspiration you know yeah and it's the first time she gives words to really words to how she feels about her um about her mother and i like that though she's been ducking her brother through about at least three or four maybe even five phone calls throughout the out the uh, movie and you hear her brother getting more and more ex- exasperated with her right on the messages that you hear they still when they are um, finally face to face the brother and sister <laughs> yeah completely as soon as she walks through the door do, yeah. do you have siblings damien yes i do i do i have so two. so the three of us you, you know how it is with your siblings <laughs> yeah it can get there. <laughs> that's that's another moment that rang very true. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. In, yeah. In in terms of the mother as well, what I found interesting was when she, when she said she didn't want to struggle. Mm. That was one of the biggest things. It almost felt like she loved her parents, but she always said to herself, "Your source of inspiration." <laughs> but she didn't want to be in a situation like her father, who is a jazz drummer. Yeah. And end up kind of like having oily hands and the oil couldn't be removed. Mm -hmm. So as you get to nearly 40 and you've pretty much think, well, I'm, I'm just like, I'm like what I said I wouldn't be. Right. You don't want to be in a horrible situation to say, I'm not like my mom and dad because they didn't do what they potentially could have done. And I felt that that situation was, was handled really, really delicately, delicately. And and it's really nice again with her boyfriend. It was really, really cool the way they done that. And then even when she was around her brother, it was a different layer to it. But there's still mm-hmm. that thing of growing old and thinking, I'm not going to be like my parents, but my parents were the source of inspiration for what I wanted to do. Yeah. And that's another element of the struggle and the reality, hence which may have helped her make the decisions she did at the end, yeah. which was yeah. just like, wow. Yeah, yeah powerful. Yeah. powerful. Yeah, powerful, man. But it also yeah. that moment with her brother gave gave um, voice to what I think a lot of creatives do find is that even if you do reach a certain point in your creative life and maybe you didn't hit the heights that you 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 know you dreamed of you know uh, one you you sit back you take stock of what you have done. And you realize that, yeah, but I have done a lot. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I've mm. and 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 I've gone for it. And you know, I can always say that I did go for it because there's nothing, nothing worse than having regrets. I think there was a a great, a, a fantastic line where she's talking to her uh, her best friend, and she says she says to him, "Who did I spend all my time with uh, in high school?" And he says, "Your regrets." I was oh. like, it's like, it's like, ooh, wow, that's so true. Um, but uh, uh, you take stock and you realize how much you have have achieved and how much you 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 did put out there trying to accomplish things, and and even the small accomplishments mean so much more because just you you find out that there's so much more. There's so many people that are living with regrets. They don't ever take that take that. Uh, 
those chances, those opportunities. But then you also realize right before your eyes what you did achieve, what your greatest achievement was. And her brother gave voice to it is that it's um, her children, their mother. Yeah. Those two, her and her brother were her, her parents, her mother's greatest achievements, you know? And I don't give a damn what happens to me, what I do creatively in my life. It don't, matter. I tell I tell everybody, I tell Vince, I tell everybody on this show, I already did the best thing I ever could do. And that is my daughter. My daughter is the greatest thing that I've I've ever done in this world. And watching her nice be the one. woman that she is 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 that makes everything else just like just whatever. You know, I can do fuck y'all to that. I did that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I did yeah. that. So, Positive. Good, good. I like it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, all right. Wow. Damien. Yo. Here's the question. Would you recommend that people... Wait a minute. Before we get there, here's a question for, uh, for you. Because if I remember correctly, when we started this, you said, well, I've got to... choose the film and it sounded like you were maybe a little ambivalent about choosing this movie and i'm curious why so no what what it was i was just uh, what it was i was on netflix and i just thought oh i just don't want to see it i i, I don't know i i wanted I, I think it was tired after filming and i just wanted mm. to sit down and just watch something without being horrible to kind of like avengers or something i just wanted to just sit down and watch some spectacular Right, and right, think. right, right. Some kind of like popcorn <laughs> um, movie. Yeah, you know, something like that. Got you. And then I right. put it on. And like I said, as soon as um, Tribe Called Quest Electric Relaxation come on, it was like my eyes just went, wow. And I just kind of mm-hmm. sat up and I was just yeah. like glued. Uh, and that's why, you know, I kind of thought, wow, this is this film's had a big effect on me. I, I watched it just before, just after I turned 40. Um, so it really made me think a lot about turning 40 more than I, I had done. Because mm-hmm. I kind of didn't in a in a certain way, and I, I just really, really just put it on, and I just saw it, and I thought, man, there's so much you could do, there's so much you can make. Because I don't know how it was made completely, but I can guess in terms of what was done to make a film like that. And it just again always proves the point that you know story is king. Mm-hmm, yeah, right. There's no way around it. There's there's no way around it. I've, I've been discussions to shoot certain things, and um, there's certain tech elements people want, and I just kind of think. Okay, we, we'll get all of that tech. Okay, now is the film going to be better than 40 years of version? No. <laughs> so in the, in the filmmaking aspect, um, I really love that. And it just held true. I really did. I know so many people that are approaching the same age or at that age. And I know we talked about earlier, Vincent mentioned about the, the, the lines are different. Mm. So it's like you can be 40 and maybe not own anything or have done certain things, but you're still rocking. You're kind of like Jordans or, or whatever. And you're playing your PlayStation and stuff. And it's like, yeah, man, but you know, the lines are blurred and everything, but there has to be an element of you're potentially going to get off right as soon. (laughs) (laughs) So we got to think about those things. (laughs) Um, so so would you so would you recommend that people 
see the 40-year-old version? I would say watch it twice. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That, that's what I'd, I'd say. Watch it twice. And if you're a creative, really watch it. Mm-hmm. Re- really, really let it sink in and, 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 and think about what you're seeing on the screen. Because there's the bit where she says, I just want to be creative. She's crying in her flat. And she's crying in a flat. She's probably going to lose. And she knows mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's deep. And then there's the whole thing. There's something, I don't know how he's over there, but there's something about saying, I'm in rehearsals. I'm in the rehearsal process. There's something really kind of, oh, I'm being an artist. I'm in rehearsals. <laughs> and everyone thinks, oh, you're an artist. She's doing well. She's in rehearsals, you know. She's doing really well. And it's like, yeah, but I can't afford to pay Bruh. rent. It is yeah. right. It's real talk. And I, I, I like the kind of, the way she just kind of pulled everything down and said, this is, you know, I don't know if you've heard of like the hashtag actor's life or, and those type of things. Mm-hmm. On, online and i just thought that is Bruh. an actor's life or that is creative life or that mm-hmm. is and that is yeah. and, I, and i think she told that story beautifully well rather than just having as i said kind of earlier the, the ways where you're in a situation where the the person's struggling all the way and then out of nowhere this agent comes by and said hey i saw your film do you want to star in the next stands of washington film and we'll pay you blah 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 and it's like oh my god and they go off and, <laughs> and it all works out well and it's like it can work out well in different ways because a character like that can go on and have a warm meal every day than just having a hot meal at christmas and she can right. live a perfectly beautiful constructive life own a home you take her kids to school have a pension but it's not necessarily you know, full on Halle Berry style career or whoever. Mm-hmm. And I think those stories are important and need to be told and they need to be highlighted in such a positive way. And it's not something to be sneered at or to be like, well, you didn't do that. You know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. it's like, no, that's probably where most people should be in various ways. Cause it's kind of unhealthy. I think if you're constantly, especially if you're 40 and you're like, I'm going to get my big thing happening. I'm going to get that happening. And it's like, well, Maybe you you shouldn't want that. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe you don't need it. Right. And I think that the film kind of raises questions and it starts conversations and debates. And I love films like that. I, I, you know, I could watch films and talk about films like that all day. Um, ever since since I watched um, Sex Lies and Videotapes, I felt like that. And when I watched mm-hmm. Off, uh, Do the Right Thing, is another one that raises a whole load of questions depending mm-hmm. who you're talking to and you know, how people feel about it. Um, so I would say that film, 40-year version, watch it twice. And what, definitely watch it soon, because I don't know how it is over where you are, but some of these films like that in the UK, they just vanish. So you That's might true. say, oh, I'm going to watch that film, and you go on Netflix, and you're like, oh, well, it's gone. That's true. So you got to get in there true. quick. You should buy it on videotape. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting on eBay straight away. Yeah. <laughs> There's one blockbuster still alive somewhere in Canada. <laughs> I'm booking my ticket. Yeah. And I'm going to go out and say, you got a 40 year version. Because <laughs> I want to rent it. Yes. <laughs> Make it a I'm blockbuster night. Pieces of ID. Yeah. <laughs> two pieces of ID and my blockbuster card. <laughs> yeah. Blockbuster card. Didn't you love blockbusters? Oh. oh best. Absolutely. It's the best. Uh, the I best. agree. I agree. We, I, strongly recommend this film strongly recommend this film this is a wonderful debut looking forward to lots and lots more from this creator yeah me too me too i I, it's a it's a clean sweep ladies and gentlemen um 
hey, not only would I recommend the 40-year-old version, after I watched it, I recommended it to three people. Oh, I sent out three right. immediate mm-hmm. texts to people like, yo, y'all need to see this film. Um, and all of them creative people who I know would really appreciate all that this film has to say. And all of them women who I know could appreciate this on this film on every single level. Um, great stuff. And I, and I am definitely looking forward to more from Rada Rada Blanks, as well as the other members of the cast. We mentioned Aswin Benjamin, Peter Kim, Imani Lewis. She plays the, the young girl, Elaine. She was fantastic. Um, has, uh, has Kiri Velasquez, who plays Rosa, uh, Antonio Ordet, uh, Ortez, who plays Waldo, and TJ Adams, who plays Kamal. Those are the, ch- the, the kids in her class. Fantastic. Um, in her workshop, they were they were great throughout the film. So give them. I'm looking forward to seeing them in other projects as well. Um, and uh, Vince and I are looking forward to an invitation from Damien to come and have some filmmaking conversations with him. Because and uh, I'm looking this- forward to you coming on in January. I'm looking forward to it. All right, All right. All I'm, right. Not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not even going to ask you both. Would you like to come on? I'm going to tell you the date and the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I look forward to it. All right. Oh. All right. All right. Well, I'm looking forward definitely. to it. Most definitely. Uh, and, yeah. I, and I will write that date down in my far side calendar uh, as nice I harken back to yeah. the 80s and <laughs> find my video, video cassettes. Uh, um, Damien, thank you so much, man. Yes, this was a yes. great time, man. This was great. Now, thanks for letting me come on. I really appreciate the invite. And you guys, like I said, and I've, you know, I think I've left a comment on iTunes or whatever. You, you got a hilarious, brilliant podcast, and I love the way you talk about films. I'm going to check out the new one. I think it's the new one, Raising in the Sun, because I love that film. Yes, um, yes. And I loved. I, I was lucky enough to see the play in New York with Denzel Washington, oh, uh, starring okay. in the lead role. So um, I'm going to check that out and. Man, you guys, please keep up the great work because it's you, some days you just crack me up, man. It, <laughs> I, I keep mentioning Ghost Dad because as a kid, I remember that film on video <laughs> and I really enjoyed it. And then Ghost listening Dad. to the, the podcast, it's like, <laughs> exactly. I was like, how did I like this film? <laughs> so, yeah. It's very true. Uh, check out Damien Swaby's uh, podcast, Filmmaking Conversations of ladies and gentlemen it's available everywhere that you can find podcasts and don't forget if you have any thoughts or concerns you can email us at mission at gmail.com that's m-i-c-h-e-a-u-x m-i-s-s-i-o-n at gmail.com like and follow the Michelle Mission on Instagram Facebook Twitter as well as subscribe to us on YouTube um, because it helps. Thank you. Uh, the Michelle Mission is a proud member of the Podglomerate, the Podglomerate curated podcast for your earbuds. And our show is also available in a very edited form. This one will be real edited uh, as a radio show every Saturday at 1 p.m. on WPPM. Philly Cam. Philly Cam. People Power Media here in the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, 106.5 FM. And you can wake up with the Michelle Mission every Monday morning at 9 
at 9 a.m. on WKDU-FM 91.7, the voice of Drexel University. And if you want to help us out, go to MichelleMission.com and hit swag so you can check out all of the cool designs that we have available for your buying pleasure over on our T Public website. Uh, do that because that helps keep the show free for you. Hey, all right there. All right. So, Vince. Yes, sir. You want to know what we're watching next week? I do. So I can All watch right. it. <laughs> that would be great. Um, oh, my God. Ariel Johnson hit us up. Uh, Damien. She says that I also like Ghost Dad. Len and Vincent stomped on my childhood. We're here to kill <laughs> dreams. We're here to kill dreams. That's what we do. That's what That's, I did. That's what we did. And next week, ladies and gentlemen, we will be welcoming Vance Van Everett from the Scenario Radio Show. Here we go, yo. As our very special guest on the Michelle Mission, as keeping in tradition, we will stomp all of your Christmas dreams (laughs) by reviewing the best man holiday. (laughs) Ah. Right here. Yeah. On, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you notice, that wasn't one of our recommendations for the church outing. <laughs> and we'll tell you why next week here on the Michaud Mission. Until then, he's Damien. That's Vincent. I'm Len. And in parting, we say, We'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>